Podglomerate original. Hey, podcast listeners. Are you planning holiday travel, dreaming of your next big adventure, or finally satisfying your wanderlust? If so, the next step might just be checking out Expedia's podcast, Out Travel the System. More than travel hacks, Out Travel the System breaks down travel-related stereotypes and showcases just how much there is to see and experience in the world. You'll hear from expert guests like Condé Nast's former creative director, Yolanda Edwards, and industry pioneer, Jessica Nabongo, who is the first black woman to visit all the countries in the world. However, and wherever you travel, follow Out Travel the System everywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey, Trailweight listeners. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to quickly tell you about another podcast, The Carbon Copy. Climate change can often feel like a far-off problem or tend to be siloed as a scientific story. But everything is a climate story. And that's where The Carbon Copy comes in. Hosted by climate reporter Stephen Lacey, The Carbon Copy covers climate change by connecting it to the significant cultural, economic, business, and tech trends that shape the world around us. Produced by Postscript Media and Canary Media, the carbon copy informs, enlightens, and sparks curiosity about how a changing climate affects our lives. From Russia's war on Ukraine to the housing crisis to decisions handed down from the Supreme Court, the carbon copy explores how climate change and the energy transition connect to today's biggest stories. To hear more, follow and subscribe to the carbon copy on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. When I started this podcast, I thought it would be about weight loss. Then my mom died, and I thought hiking and physical fitness could be a metaphor for grief. Along the way, I learned I was in a story of repeating loss. The loss of ignorance, expectation, reality... Slowly, the questions I had overtook the lessons I thought I had learned. I now found myself days away from finishing a month-long 200-mile hike, and days away from completing a podcast that's taken over two years to make, unsure of what the final steps would look like, and uncertain of how to write the ending. We're three days away from finishing the trail. Yes. What have you learned? Oh, what have I learned? I wasn't expecting that. Um, I have learned that I could push through things that are very hard or scary or things I don't want to do. Because sometimes I just want to sit. Sometimes I just want to not have to do the same routine every single day. But, um, yeah, it's just like one foot in front of the other. You can walk how many miles? 250 miles? Is that right? 210? Uh, yeah, the JMT's 210 plus... That's trail miles, not counting, like, walking around, setting up tents, nor since we started a little bit. Yeah. So over 200. I guess that's what I've learned about myself. I'm Andrew Steven, and this is Trailweight, a podcast about hiking outdoors and the lessons learned along the way. 
This is day... What day is it? It's the 20th. This is our 21st day of hiking. And we are at the uh, Rush Creek drainage area just below Donahue Pass. Which we'll do tomorrow morning. That's our final pass of the trail. And we just have three days left on this hike. It's, uh... This tent has definitely become a new home, and it, it's a symbol of comfort, and at the end of the day, like it's almost, we just resupplied in Red's Meadow and had a room there, and it was very nice to have like a real bed and everything, but it almost feels more comfortable in this small little tent, just because I think it's what we've, what we've been used to for the past 21 days. So yeah, as we get closer to the finish line, it's, um, it's strange. It's, uh, you know, this isn't just like a, a week long trip or even a weekend trip. And, uh, it's going to be weird waking up and not having to do 10 to 15 miles. If you're writing a story, they say a good ending should leave you satisfied. The arc of the story comes to a place of resolution, and the main character achieves their goal. This is the part of the life as a story analogy that starts to break down. It's a great tool for inspiration. I called it a life hack earlier, to help you accomplish whatever you were trying to do. But the metaphor doesn't work as well as an accurate description of life. If I was writing the story and was in complete control, my mom would still be alive. But we're not really in control of life. And then again, some of the things that make something a good story are the things that make life hard, that add texture and meaning. Good stories are dangerous, and not something you want to tell all the time. Maybe that's the point of this podcast, so I can tell it once well, and then move on. Choosing where to end a story can change everything. They say the resolution of the story must wrap up the conflict laid out in the beginning, the ending should feel complete. I can't say that the last 15 months have felt complete. In a year that's been hard for the entire world, many of us are still reeling from the effects the COVID-19 pandemic had on our lives. We've lost work, family, and friends. We've experienced deep existential trauma. Some of us have even lost sight of it all. This isn't the year I would have written. They say satisfying endings have a bit of a surprise. Well, my brother passed away this year. Surprise. I'd gladly take some predictability over this ending. They say the best way to write a good ending is to know how the story will end before you start. You can't do that in real life. None of us know what will happen next. 
Our vision and foresight only give us glimpses of the horizon, hidden between the trees and rocks, obscured by the sun in our eyes as we climb higher for a potential better view. <clears throat> I'm hiking up Donahue Pass, which the ridge line marks the dividing line between Yosemite National Park and the National Forest, which I'm in right now. And I've just sort of been reflecting on this whole hike as it's starting to come to an end. You know, this started out as a weight loss journey and a sort of hashtag YOLO experience after my mom passed away a year ago. But it's really turned into something so much more. Just thinking about what it really means to be outside, be in nature, what effect it has on you, be it restorative and healthy, or the isolation and sort of separation from the rest of the world. If I could choose the ending for this story, I'm not sure what I'd choose. It's hard to end the story. The reason they say all those things earlier, the reason why there is a list of tips to help you end your story, it's because it can be hard to finish well. The fear of the story ending is a lot like the fear of death. When it's over, it's over. Did you do all that you could do? Was it worth it? Did you say what you needed or wanted to say? Will it be remembered? Why do I even want to be remembered? When it's over, is there more? Or is that all there was? Who here remembers when they first realized they were going to die? This is Stephen Cave. At some point, all children become aware of death. It can happen in different ways, of course, and usually comes in stages. Our idea of death develops as we grow older. And if you reach back into the dark corners of your memory, you might remember something like what I felt when my grandfather died and when I realized it could happen to me too. And this is from a TED Talk he gave in 2013. We have to live in the knowledge that the worst thing that can possibly happen one day surely will. The end of all our projects, our hopes, our dreams, of our individual world. We each live 
in the shadow of a personal apocalypse. And that's frightening. It's terrifying. And so we look for a way out. He's a philosopher and author who looks at how the stories we tell affect our view of death. We develop our worldviews, that is, the stories we tell ourselves about the world and our place in it, in order to help us manage the terror of death. For Stephen Cave, he calls these stories immortality stories. And they're the types of stories you hear from religion or even mythology and fantasy tales. A magic pill or potion to cure death and disease. A promise to live on after death. A soul that keeps living after your physical self is gone. Or the memory and legacy of a life echoing on throughout eternity. But for Stephen, he doesn't believe in any of that. I find it helps to see life as being like a book. Just as a book is bounded by its covers, by beginning and end, so our lives are bounded by birth and death. And even though a book is limited by beginning and end, it can encompass distant landscapes, exotic figures, fantastic adventures. And even though a book is limited by beginning and end, the characters within it know no horizons. They only know the moments that make up their story, even when the book is closed. And so the characters of a book are not afraid of reaching the last page. Long John Silver is not afraid of you finishing your copy of Treasure Island. And so it should be with us. Imagine the book of your life. Its covers, its beginning and end, or your birth and your death. You can only know the moments in between, the moments that make up your life. It makes no sense for you to fear what is outside of those covers, whether before your birth or after your death. And you needn't worry how long the book is, or whether it's a comic strip or an epic. The only thing that matters is that you make it a good story. I relate to a lot of that. I don't think we should fear the end of the book, but I also think there's more beyond the pages. I don't know what it is, if it's a place or a feeling or an energy, if we're conscious of it or not. It's much too easy for me to wonder about life outside the story, beyond the book, over the horizon. Except it's not a horizon, because you're able to get close to it. There is a finite end. But maybe there's another story to be written, a sequel, if you will, where the gang gets back together, maybe a little older, maybe the group is slightly smaller and it doesn't quite feel the same as before. But if you're able to take it for what it is, it's okay. And maybe you can learn something new that you weren't expecting. We just hiked over the last high point of the trail and it is literally now all downhill into Yosemite Valley. We're almost done, I can't believe it.
If you're looking for another podcast to listen to, check out Vanishing Postcards. Hosted by Evan Stern, Vanishing Postcards is all about being outside, on the open road, and seeing new places. In the latest season, Vanishing Postcards invites listeners to drive cross-country on Route 66 and experience everything from a dance in Tulsa to an eating contest in the Texas Panhandle to a morning on the Santa Monica Pier. Vanishing Postcards explores how this iconic road's past, present, and future are revealed through the stories of the people and places on Route 66 today. If you're looking for an episode to try, check out Postcards from the Mother Road, The Roots of Route 66, and hear all about how the legend of Route 66, which spans almost 7,000 miles, came to be. You can join their road trip by following Vanishing Postcards wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. When learning how to backpack, one of my first purchases was a small, portable butane stove. And the first thing I saw when I opened the box was a small folded up set of instructions. After a quick read, I turned it on and it worked without a problem. Unfortunately, not everything comes with a set of instructions. And life is one of those things without a user manual. And most of it isn't problem free. So when life's not working, it's normal to feel stuck, lost, and unsure of how to proceed. We may not have an instruction booklet for life, but thankfully there are people trained to help us navigate a career change, work through relationship issues, and help us approach feelings of stress, anger, or anxiety. I've personally found therapy to be beneficial in talking through complex issues, processing pain, learning productive skills, and so much more. And BetterHelp has connected more than 3 million people with the help they need. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try or are having trouble finding the right help, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, and affordable. And, as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists, all available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. You can easily switch to a new therapist anytime if things aren't clicking. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms. No traffic. No endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com wait. That's Better, H-E-L-P, dot com slash W-E-I-G-H-T. We hiked down into Lyle Canyon and were in awe of the quiet beauty. From here, we hiked a long, flat trail to Tuolumne Meadows through a lodgepole forest and a river-lined meadow. A scene reminiscent of Yosemite Valley, minus the cars and crowds and campers. We were excited to get to Tuolumne Meadows before the store closed, so we could have real, non-freeze-dried food again. I'm ready. I'm ready. Have you ever ran with a 30-pound backpack? You look like an idiot. But I want a burger. I want a burger. We camped the night alongside RVs and crowds, almost as a way to remind us that the end was near and to prepare for a re-entry into the population. So we're... <clears throat> it's early in the morning here at Tuolumne Meadows and we're waiting for the... It's 7.49 a.m. Not that early. <laughs> for some people. Okay. But if painting old, a scene. If they're old men... <laughs> We would already have our like yeah. cup of coffee. Yeah, but they haven't like, they haven't left yet. The old men got up before us, but they didn't. I know those old guys are weird <laughs> as okay. hell. Ew. 
I know. Don't don't look at my hiking poles. So it's the, like the tops are so like. I don't know. I, th- I'm, I have sweaty hands. Okay, I'm a nervous person. You have acidic sweat. <laughs> yes. So we're at Tuolumne Meadows and we're waiting for the grill restaurant to open up so we can get some breakfast food. Yes. And we ate dinner here last night too. Yes. And I want to know. So we had real food at Reds. We had burgers at Reds. Yes. And we had burgers here at Tuolumne Meadows. Yes. And which burger is better? Yes, sorry, I got distracted. There's all these hikers walking by, and I think they're, they're not hikers, they're rock climbers, because one guy was wearing a helmet, and who mm-hmm. wears a helmet? And they have and ropes and carabiners. Yeah. And but then I got excited, because I was like, oh my god, what if we saw Alex, Alex Honnold? Honnold the- which you probably won't, but that would be cool. How many times do you think he gets, like, people just yell free solo at him as if it's his name? Um, a lot. Probably a lot. Free solo. And I bet it's harder to Free solo, see. come here, free solo. <laughs> I like how different we sound here than in the first couple of episodes. We're hyped on food, and the pace of the world is slowly coming back. We're excited to have accomplished so much. Maybe lost some of the meditative aspects of the hike. Uh, anyways, so which, which, so what, what are we talking Which burger about? <laughs> is better, the Tuolumne Meadows Grill or the Red's Meadow Cafe? Ooh, so I think the Tuolumne Meadows Burger was well more put together better. Like the whole like burger. Like the whole burger. But I think the Red's Meadow Patty had more flavor. The beef was better. The beef was better and like tastier. Uh, but it was kind of like a sad little guy. You'd like look at, open it up and be like, oh. Yeah, flavor, think Red's Meadow. I also didn't have bacon on mine. You put bacon, did that? Was that, that good? Helped. Yeah, I had a double cheeseburger here at Tuolumne with bacon. Yeah, and I just, I was like, no bacon. And I just had a cheeseburger. Sometimes I feel like bacon can ruin a burger. Like, like people that are obsessed with like bacon wrapped hot dogs, I'm like, why? Just have them separate. They're, they're good on their own. <laughs> It um, makes it taste weird. The other benefit here, which they weren't amazing, but they had potato wedges oh, here to all of me. so good. They were, like, seasoned good. And they, I mean, they were just, you know, like, I think that's what it is. I think here it's much more, like, fast food. Like, they're frozen, and then they cook them, which yeah, is still tasty. Yeah, pretty quick. The first time I talked about eating a burger on this podcast was when I shame ate McDonald's. When I started, I thought so much more of this would be about food. But here... It was something that just sort of was. It's just so nice to have like regular food. Oh, I ate so much. So I ate all that. I did. I ate a double cheeseburger. I ate the potato wedges. I had an ice cream cone. I had a Gatorade and I had two sodas. And, and a half bag of chips. And a half bag of chips. And I wanted to eat more. Yeah, we were but in the my... tent and you're like, do I have time to go back to the restaurant? <laughs> it was like closing in 10 minutes. Like if you sprint there. But like, it was, it was weird because like, when I was and we say through, restaurant, it's literally like a canvas tent enclosed building, yeah, and it's like, like there a, could be a circus in there. It's like well, a very small circus. Yes, very it's, tiny elephant. It's like a, um, a tiny ringmaster. <laughs> it's like a counter that you order, like, and we're just on picnic tables outside. I was describing yes. these so, restaurants for the benefit of you, the listener, but I also think subconsciously, I was starting to recategorize and acclimate to what restaurants are and modern-day society is. I never realized how much I miss tables and chairs. It's not a restaurant. Right. What is this restaurant? But, like, like Red's was an actual, like, diner. Yeah, that's true. Very true, very true, very true, very true. Uh, Oh, yeah, halfway through my ice cream cone. 
I was eating it, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I feel full. I don't feel good. And it was so weird because it's like I still had an appetite. Like I still felt. But your stomach hungry, was at but capacity. My stomach was like, no more food. No, no, no. Uh, and. Yeah, that was tough. Cause, and then, like, eventually, like, my stomach acid digested all of the food in there. And then I was like, oh, I'm so hungry still. Things They're are opening, opening up. Get Goodbye. We ate our breakfast and hiked through Tuolumne. Away from the SUVs and day hikers and into the backcountry for one more night. So it's the last night, and we're in Long Meadow near Sunrise High Sierra Camp. The Sunrise High Sierra Camp was empty this year, but it was one of a few cabins that were built in the backcountry so someone could backpack without having to carry all their own food or lodging. There was something pleasant about the idea of going through what we'd been through without having to carry a heavy load. Somehow being able to experience the highs without the weight. That would be nice. And thinking about food and our family that's supposed to meet us. And... Yeah. Do you think you'll get emotional tomorrow? Knowing that it's over and we did I it? think so. I definitely will feel emotional whether it's shown or not. I don't know. Yeah, me too. Not that I am trying to hide it. It's just I don't, I'm not sure. If it'll come out, I probably will. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I think seeing our parents there will make it emotional. Yeah. Regardless. I'm just thinking, like, what we just did. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Yeah, so proud. I'm proud of you, I'm proud of me, I'm proud of us. We did it. We could end the story here. This could be the last episode. There wouldn't be a scene where we cross the official finish line. You wouldn't hear the moment we met up with my dad, when even though I knew my mom wouldn't be there, I still thought she might. If this was the end, it wouldn't actually be the end. And it would live on in its own immortality story. If we don't know for sure how it ends, there's always a bit of deniability, and we can happily ever after it, however we want. This trip is forever entwined with the loss of my mom. Ending the trail, finishing the story, meant I couldn't avoid what came next. This trip would always be finite. It was the plan from the beginning, whether I wanted to admit it or not. next time on Trail Wait. They finished. Picture. Okay. And let me do a video. Okay, guys. 230 miles left. I mean, uh, done. Yes. Uh, how do you feel? Tired. <laughs> Trail Wait is produced and written by Andrew Steven. Our story producer is Monty Montepar. 
Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Epidemic Sound. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and the Podglomerate. We're posting photos and more from the trail on our Instagram and Twitter at Instagram.com slash trailweight and Twitter.com slash trailweight, as well as on our website, trailweight.co. Thanks so much for listening. Conglomerate Original.